Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Doing? Excited. Our parents of uh, kids, they're half of them probably still out there. You are excited for the holidays? Maybe, maybe. Well, well, at least we're not in lockdown. So, we, so that, is, that is good news. And I trust uh, that uh, this season, for those of you who are parents of kids at school, that this is a, the next two weeks is a, a restful time uh, for you. Uh, and a huge welcome if you are visiting on you. My name is Andrew and I'm the uh, campus pastor here at City. We've been going just over two years and God has been incredibly good and faithful to us uh, over this season and we'd love to connect in with you and I might give you some practical ways in which you can do that after the service. I do also need to say, I know I may sound a little congested today, uh, but uh, this is a COVID-free zone. Uh, I, don't, I don't have COVID. I have been tested. I just, uh, just wanted to, to let you know, uh, just in case you're a little bit worried. But uh, hey, it is, uh, it is good to be with you this morning, and I'm, I'm really excited about what uh, God is going to say to us this morning. We are in a series uh, that we started last week called Jesus in the Picture, and we're looking at a, a bunch of stories from the Gospels, stories of, of lives, people who are far from God, who are grappling with life and grappling with themselves. And in, in that moment, in that, that moment of their life, Jesus steps into their narrative. Jesus steps into, this, into their story. Jesus steps into their picture and everything changes. Their life is turned upside down. And so uh, we started that last week. We've got a few more weeks to go and uh, looking forward to sharing uh, with you a, a particular person who didn't have many people in their picture, a person of isolation. You know, we have pictures, don't we? Uh, Megs, can you pass me my phone just really quickly? Grab your phone for a moment. You just open, open, up your, open up your phone and open up the pictures in your phone and just begin to scroll through them. You know, on our phone, we take lots of photos. That's the way of the world these days. And, and if you just scroll through it, there'll be pictures which speak about your life. You know, I'm scrolling through now and I'm seeing uh, photos, uh, uh, videos shot down at Christmas Creek. Uh, I've got a shopping list on here. I've got receipts. I've got a photo of our Wi-Fi code. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of random photos. You got some random photos on as you scroll through? They, they speak to the minutiae of life, don't they? They speak just to the everyday reality of life as we take photos. But then there are photos that are extra special. There are photos that we take which need to go straight to the proverbial pool room. You know, we, we get these photos and we frame them up. We put them in beautiful frames these special photos, and then they go up on our walls, they go up on the shelves in our house. I took some photos of our photos uh, just this week, and uh, we got photos sitting in different parts of our house that have all been put into picture frames, and they speak about who we are. They speak about our story, and they speak about who is most important to us. And so when we look at the photos, we see photos for us, and I'm sure for many of you as well, they are photos of our family. Photos, we've got photos, and you would have seen some of them, photos of our, our kids, 
photos of our, my parents and Megan's parents, my brothers and sisters and their kids, Megan's brothers and sisters and their kids. They're photos of our family. They're the people that are most precious to us. They are people that surround us. Do you have photos in your home of family members? Do you hang up? You just stick your hand up if you do that. Very good. And all the men are just turning around going, yep, yep, I'm sure my wife has done that. Uh, framed photos of our family. Well, today we're going to look at somebody who would have had not many photos on their walls, on their shelves. This person would have had a very small collection, but that collection changed when he met Jesus. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 19, one of the, the most famous of all stories. You know, this is, you know, when, when, you, when you have a list of the top Sunday school stories, Zacchaeus is up there with Noah's Ark as one of the favourite. Uh, just he always gets a run in Sunday school. And uh, we're going to explore, I think, a, a great story that's going to speak to us today. Luke 19 verses 1 to 10. Let's read it together. The words will be on the screen behind me as well. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus was not really given much of an option or a choice. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I remember a time when I felt a little bit like Zacchaeus, on the outside, isolated and alone. It was the first two weeks of high school. Now, I went to a small state school from grades one to grade seven. It was the, you know, it changed, things have changed with education now, but one grade one to grade seven was primary school, and grade seven is a small school, and there were only 13 people in my grade seven class, and I was the school captain. And, uh, and, and so, you know, uh, you know, big fish, small pond kind of thing, and, uh, and I knew everyone, and, and, and you know, it, it felt like I was, you know, I was, you know, the biggest, the tallest, and all that kind of stuff, and then I went to a, a large high school where I knew absolutely no one, and I remember the first two weeks, just all my courage left me, because I didn't know anyone. At lunchtime, I, I didn't have the courage to go and say, hey, can I be in your group? Can I hang out with you guys? So I just spent lunchtimes by myself. And there was a moment I remember uh, in those first few weeks where I found myself just sitting on a bench in the middle of uh, lunchtime with no one to talk to. 
and this grade 12 who'd clearly been commissioned to go around and talk to all the loners uh, came up and sat next to me. I, I vividly remember, I remember where I was sitting. It was so humiliating. This grade 12 who was huge to me, I was the eldest in my family, so anyone who was older than me was just huge. This grade 12 was massive. He came and sat next to me. I was intimidated and he said, mate, you doing okay? I said, yeah, I'm doing okay. He said, and then he said, don't you have any friends? Have you got no one to hang out with? And I remember the emotion just beginning to bubble and I just burst into tears. I was so embarrassed. I had, I had no one to talk to. I was a loner. I was an outsider. I was an outsider because I was unknown. Zacchaeus, though, on the other hand, was an outsider and a loner because he was known. See, Zacchaeus was isolated. He was ostracized because of who he was. And we read here, we all know it, that, that, that Zacchaeus was a short man and there are songs and Sunday school songs that have been written about that and maybe they're going through your head right now. Uh, but, but he was a short man. But that is, that, that's not the key point I think that Luke is trying to make. Luke didn't need to say he was a short man, physically short. But in truth, what Luke is trying to communicate is that Zacchaeus actually was socially short. Yeah, he might have been short in stature, but that wouldn't necessarily meant that he couldn't creep to the front to see Jesus. See, if he was loved by the community, if he was loved by the crowds, his height wouldn't have been a problem. They would have let him walk through. Come on through, Zacchaeus. You're, you're, you're a mate. Yeah, come on, mate. Come on. So you can see Jesus who is coming. Luke is making the point here that Zacchaeus is socially short. He's socially ostracized. The crowd have intentionally pushed him away. They've pushed him out. They have not allowed him to make his way to the front to see. What Luke is saying and what we understand is that Zacchaeus is a social outsider. And if you understand the context, you know why. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and there are many reasons why tax collectors were not loved, why they were pushed aside. Let me just give you two. Firstly, because they worked for the Roman Empire. See, Zacchaeus, like other tax collectors in that region that time, had thrown their lot in with the Roman Empire. They'd, they'd, they'd almost betrayed their own people and their own family. Zacchaeus had decided to work with the enemy. And secondly, tax collectors were known for being scammers, swindlers. And what they would do is they would sit at the gates as people came into towns and cities and they would take tax. And it was all enforced by the Roman Empire. So they would sit there with Roman soldiers and they would charge the tax, but there would always be a little bit more for them and for their mates. And so they would skim, they would scam. And so they were known for this. And it doesn't take, you know, much knowledge to know that anyone who's a swindler or a scammer is not loved. I mean, who loves scammers? I mean, who here has received phone calls or texts from scammers? I mean, even last night at quarter past 11, I receive a text from an unknown number saying, Andrew, a new order, VYIQCE, has been sent on DHL. Information, click here to give your details so you can get it. Who's been receiving those scamming texts? Nearly all of us. 
Few months ago, Megan received a phone call. It was clearly a scam. It was from overseas, and the person on the phone was saying, excuse me, man, is this Megan? Well, we need to let you know that your credit card detail has been shut down, and you need to give us your credit card detail so we can reopen your account. <laughs> Megan put it on loud. I said, Megan, put it on loudspeaker. I want to listen. And so the conversation went, and in a moment of rage and unpastoral, unchristian behaviour, <laughs> I literally grabbed the phone off Megan and I yelled into the phone. I said, you tell me who you are right now. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Anyone else ever lost their rag uh, to scammers? We don't love swindlers and scammers, and they certainly did back then. Zacchaeus was a hated man. He was a loner. He was isolated. You know, in our society today, there are many people who are isolated, ostracised and lonely. Our society is filled with them. But it's filled, not, filled with lonely people not because they are Zacchaeus, it's not because they're scammers, not because they're necessarily ostracised from society but because we live in a world that is growing increasingly marginalised and increasingly lonely. We live in a community where people are stepping out of community. We live in a society where more and more people are stepping out of community. And COVID has, has had a role to play, a significant role. We know that in, in this. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were just saying, Andrew, I've, I'm just checked out. I've realised that I've checked out of life. Because of all the uncertainty, because all of the things that are going on with COVID at the moment, I've stopped planning, I've stopped calling friends, I've stopped making appointments. And we've done that, haven't we? We've stopped planning, meeting, dreaming and connecting. It's had a significant impact on all of us. And, it's, and loneliness was a problem before, but COVID has exacerbated the issues. I've got a couple of long quotes here, but run with me, because this is a little bit of a synopsis of where we are as a society in 2021. I was reading the, a, a report by the Australian Treasury uh, called Ending Loneliness Together. It was written in May. And this is what it says. Loneliness has a detrimental impact on health and well-being, productivity and functioning in daily life. One in four Australians aged 12 to 89 experienced problematic levels of loneliness. At any given time, the estimated prevalence of problematic levels of loneliness is around 5 million Australians. That's a big number. One in two Australians reported feeling lonelier since the onset of COVID-19 pandemic. For Australian residents aged 18 to 81 years, surveyed between March and April 2020, loneliness increased the likelihood of developing a clinical depressive disorder by eight times and a clinical social anxiety disorder by five times. Unfortunately, based on previous infectious diseases research, it is likely that poor mental health triggered by COVID-19 will, will be persistent even after the immediate public health crisis ends. We're in a pandemic of loneliness and, and we know that, right? We see it everywhere. We are surrounded by it. I was reading another article uh, from research done. It was an article written by uh, Jacob Sweet in Harvard Magazine called The Loneliness Pandemic, looking at the psychology and social costs of isolation in everyday life. And it was written a, a few months ago. And this is, this is what Jacob Sweet writes. Because this gives us a picture into the nature of loneliness. This is important to pick up because it speaks actually to the story of Zacchaeus. Loneliness is not monolithic. 
When most people think of the feeling, they think of what Jeremy Noble calls psychological or interpersonal loneliness. Like, do I have a friend? Do I have someone I can tell my troubles to, he says. But also, there's also existential loneliness. Do I fit in the universe? Does my life have any meaning, purpose, weight, valence, and mission? He finds such questions particularly troublesome for 18 to 24-year-olds who are, studies have shown, the loneliest group in the country. This is the USA, but I'd imagine it would be similar here in Australia. The third type of loneliness is societal. This is what I want us to pick up on. If I enter a room, is my arrival both anticipated and welcomed? Prejudice can augment this type of loneliness, Noble says, most notably through racism. But it goes beyond race, class and gender preference. It affects anyone, uh, anyone subject, subject to exclusion, including people who don't meet our beauty standards, people with disabilities, even many older adults. Society systematically excludes people often. We live in a society that has a way of excluding people and that has been, I believe, exacerbated by digital media and social media. Where, where, where things are fake, where things are present, presented in a certain way and whether or not we are excluded from society because we, we receive it through different forms that are not even within the community of people but through a digital device or, or through a television screen or whatever it is, we find ourselves taking on the Zacchaeus stance. Our world becomes smaller and we begin to see ourselves in the picture in a big way. Our world becomes smaller and the people that we thought were in it shrink. The vision in our picture and how we see things shrinks and all that's left in our picture frame is us. We live in an isolated world that is growing even more and more lonely. Zacchaeus had this picture the only person in his picture was himself. He was isolated, ostracized, alone. And many of us, and maybe you're sitting here today and you feel the same way. You feel ostracized and alone in the, from the society around you. But every one of us has a choice. And Zacchaeus made a choice. Zacchaeus could have gone and just hidden. Oh, I can't get in, I can't see Jesus, so I'm just going to go back to my house and feel sorry for myself. You know, if you are lonely, we know this right, if you are lonely, the last thing you want to do is reach out. When you are lonely, when you are feeling isolated, the last thing you want to do is put yourself out there. But Zacchaeus does something profound. He steps out. When we feel like stepping, sorry, he steps up. When we feel like stepping out of society, we are invited to step up and we see that with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is desperate to see Jesus. He's on a mission. He's on a mission. So what does he do? He goes and he climbs a tree because he wants to see Jesus. 
He knows that there's something more. There's something about this Jesus who loves people. He wants to be in that community. He sees Jesus from afar. He's heard the stories. He says, even though I'm a reject, even though I'm a sinner, I want to see Jesus. He's on a mission. You know, when we want to see, we want to, when we want to be part of something, we'll do whatever we can to do it, to see. I remember a few years ago, we were in Florida visiting Megan's family, and we went to and we went to Disney World. We got a, went to Disney for World for a day, which was for me a bit of a mixed experience. Um, I'm not quite sure it is the most wonderful place in the world. But at the end of the day, after spending our time in the beating hot Florida sun and spending most of the day in queues, uh, we 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 gathered around the main parade. Where at the end of the day, if you've been to Disneyland, they they do this big parade. Well, we got there late. But our kids wanted to see. What do you think they did? Do you think they just sat on the ground and felt sorry for themselves and just isolated? No, they started climbing up our backs until they forced us to put them on their shoulders for over an hour as we waited in the hot beating sun and then we watched Mickey Mouse go round and round. It was just wonderful. (laughs) They stepped up. They stepped up because they wanted to be part of the drama. They wanted to be part of the story. Zacchaeus could have just stepped away. He could have stepped out, but he stepped up. And that took great courage. As I said before, when we feel ostracized, alone and isolated, the hardest thing to do is to to actually put ourselves out there. But what Zacchaeus did was an incredibly courageous thing to do. Why? Well, firstly, he climbed a tree. In that time, a man climbing a tree was not the done thing to do. In fact, it's not really probably the done thing for us to do these days. You don't see too many you know, middle-aged people going and climbing trees. In that time, it was, it was just socially not the done thing to do, but Zacchaeus was desperate. He went and he climbed a tree. Another reason why it was courageous was because he was not very popular in that, in that community. And you've got to understand that he'd stepped away from his protection. He didn't have Roman soldiers around him to protect him now. He's going out on his own free will. He's placing himself in a position of vulnerability. And there were no guarantees about what he would find when he saw Jesus. He was taking a step of courage, a step of vulnerability. And every every one of us has a choice. Every one of us here has a choice in different parts of our life and different times in our life. Every person in society has a time. Are we going to step out or are we going to step up? Are we going to choose to climb a tree? Because here's the thing, to see, and this is Zacchaeus knew this, To see is to be seen. To see, to put yourself in a place of vulnerability, to put yourself in that social group, to put yourself in a place of vulnerability, to step out and put yourself in a community, to step out and invite somebody into your home, whatever that may look like. To see is a vulnerable place, but to see is also to be seen. And when we step up, Jesus steps in. And changes everything. I love this story. We read in the in verse the first verse. Let me just verse one and verse five. 
We get this, we get a handle of this narrative. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. In verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. It's this picture of Jesus stopping and being with Zacchaeus. And there's three things that I love about Jesus here. Firstly, Jesus is interruptible. Jesus is interruptible. You know, whatever is going on in his life, whatever's going on in his mission, wherever he is going, he's able to be stopped. Now, we read in verse 1 that he was planning on passing through. He was not planning on stopping at Jericho. He was on his journey to Jerusalem. But as we've seen in other parts of the Gospels, if Jesus encounters somebody who is humble and in need, he will stop. It's a challenge for us, I think. How interruptible are we? Jesus, even though he's on a mission, even though he's on his journey, he stops, he pauses, he's interruptible. And he will stop for you. Secondly, Jesus knows your name. Jesus didn't stop at the tree, look up and go, hey, you. He didn't say, what's your name? He didn't say, what are you doing up that tree? He said, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine how healing that would have been for Zacchaeus? I mean, Zacchaeus would have been called every name under the sun. Probably wasn't, if he was called Zacchaeus, it would have been with a scowl, with a snigger. And Jesus stops, looks in his eyes with great love and with great purpose, says, Zacchaeus, I know your name. I know who you are. Jesus knows your name. And thirdly, Jesus doesn't let the background, the backstory get in the way. Everybody's looking around going, oh my goodness, he's invited, he's invited himself over to a sinner's house. And when Luke uses the word sinner there, it's an intentional word. You see it pop up time and time again in his gospel. It's a catch-all phrase. It's a catch-all phrase for those who are outcasts, those who are not welcome into the temple, those who are not welcome into society, those who are not celebrated by the Jewish way of life. They are the outsiders. They are the outcasts. It's this catch-all phrase. He's a sinner. He's already got a name. It's not Zacchaeus. It's sinner. And Jesus doesn't let that stop him at all. He says, actually, you know what, Zacchaeus? I actually want to hang out with you and your mates today. I want to spend time with you today. Jesus is interested in spending time with Zacchaeus. And as soon as that happens, the picture frame changes. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus isn't filling the full picture. We kind of go now to, to portrait. Is that right, portrait and a landscape? Is it landscape? Ghost of landscape, sorry, I've never been good. I wonder, now I know why printing has never been easy for me. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's another person in his frame. It's Jesus. The frame is pushing out. There's more room in the picture. Jesus has entered Zacchaeus' picture and Jesus' presence in Zacchaeus' story in his picture changes everything. 
changes everything. I love this. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up. Now Jesus is at his home. They're having a meal. They're having a party. And he said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. So give, I'm just giving a half of my possessions to those in need. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Something has radically changed in Zacchaeus. Two hours beforehand, he was a swindler and a scammer looking to rob money where he could. In an absolute form reversal, he is now giving his wealth away to the poor and paying back more than the, than, than the, uh, the interest to those he has robbed, those he has scammed. This is not remorse. This is not a picture of remorse. This is a picture of repentance. Repentance is radical life change. And the reason... The reason that Zacchaeus can repent in this way is because he's received a new love. Jesus has shown him a new way to live. He said, I love you, and it's changed everything. Now Zacchaeus is free to love. He's free to be generous. He's free to give. More than that, he's free to love those who have ostracized him. He's happy to go out and pursue those who called him every name under the sun and rejected him. He's happy to go and say, here is a gift. Here is the money that I want to give you. The invitation is for us to see just as Zacchaeus is set free. So when Jesus enters our picture, everything should change. And ultimately it comes down to this. Where do we find our security? See, we are free to love when we know that we are loved. We are free to love when we know we're loved. We can walk into any situation, into any boardroom, into any social setting, into any space, into any relationship with confidence and security when we know that our identity is not contingent on how other people see us but it's contingent on how God sees us. And Jesus knows your name. And he says to each one of you, I love you, not because of what you've done or what you haven't done, how good you are or how, how, how bad you are, how competent you are, how good you are with words, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If we just get hold of this, people, it changes everything. When we can walk into any space and go, I am absolutely loved, not only does it set us free, but it also sets us free to love. That's what happens with Zacchaeus. He's, he's able to give away love. So in your workplace, in your family setting, in your social groups, with absolute security, you can say, I am for the other. I'm for you. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care how you see me. But what I do care is how I can love you better. That is the posture that we are invited to. That's the posture of Zacchaeus. And the reason that we can do it is because God has done it for us. You see, just as Zacchaeus was on a mission to see Jesus, Jesus was on a mission to Jerusalem. And we read the story and Luke paints this picture. If you read through the Gospel of Luke, you see that he sets it up as a journey. Jesus is journeying from Galilee 
to Jerusalem. Now we know that Jesus would have gone to Jerusalem multiple, multiple times during the year, but Luke is setting up this journey narrative. Jericho is part of the stop, one of the last stops on his way to Jerusalem. See, Jesus has another journey ahead. See, Jesus is going to climb another tree. We read the end of the Gospels that Jesus climbs another tree. And he stands and he gives himself. He stretches out his arms, naked, beaten, ashamed, bleeding, in front of his family, in front of his accusers, in front of his friends and his disciples. And he bleeds. Upon a tree he dies. Jesus hangs on a tree and is ostracised and isolated for us. And he cries out in a loud voice, my God, my God, Father, why have you forsaken me? It's this profound moment that the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, Jesus, is separated from the Father. And that in and of itself is a, is a major theological conundrum, which I don't have time to delve into right now. But what we do know is that God is put to death. God is separated. Jesus is ostracized from his own family. He dies for us in order that we may be forgiven. We know the story that three days later, Jesus rises again from the dead so that we can know his power. We can know the power of resurrection in our own lives. And because of his death and his resurrection, we can know this security. We can know this life. We can know this hope. The same hope that Zacchaeus has is for us too. And we are invited into a new community. Because of what Jesus has done, we are invited into a radical new community. Jesus says in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. The guy who rejected his own heritage, the guy who rejected his own family, Jesus says, salvation has come and you are now Zacchaeus, you are now back in the family. This picture frame, it's not just you and me now, it's a really big one. Many, many people are now part of your picture, Zacchaeus. You've been invited into a family changes his life forever. He is now part of the family. It's the same for us. We're all part of the family. Why don't you just turn to someone to your left or right and say, you're in my family. Come on, just hit it. And whilst that might sound funny and trivial, there is something deeply profound about it. When you go back to the start, we live in a world that is deeply isolated, that is fractured on so many different levels. There are so, so many people who long to be part of family. There are so, so many people in our day, in our time, five million Australians who desperately long to be known, who desperately long to be seen, They've just got no way of knowing how to do it. We are called to be Jesus to those people, to walk into their world and to stop and say, I want you to be part of my family. 
See, this is the gift that God gives us. Paul writes it in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that we have been, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's those of us who are in Christ today, if you're a Christian today, if you're a follower of Jesus, then Jesus is in you. You're in the family. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm gonna leave it there. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given a gift, people. We've been given a gift in our time in this place to reconcile people back to Jesus, people who are far from God, people who are ostracized, people who don't even know how to climb up a tree and look out and see. They are unseen people at the moment. And Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I, I, I'm seeing this more and more. So I actually think that we have a great opportunity as a church. In fact, I think we're coming to a, an opportunity that is rare, one of the few times within our lifetime of fruitfulness for the gospel. I'm seeing people who are longing for community, who are walking through the doors of our church and going, I want something new. You know, I've watched you invite people and it hasn't been a hard job. It hasn't been a hard effort to, to get people to come to church because people are desperate. They're longing for something more. They are lonely. They're looking for community. We need to understand, this is a gift. What we're doing right now is a gift. Gathering together, gathering together in life groups is a gift. Sharing family together, being open and honest, being known, being seen is a gift. It's a great gift. I want to ask you, who are the people that you can be just saying, hey, would you like to come to church with me? Hey, would you like to come to life group with me? Hey, would you just like to come home? Would you like... Because that's kind of more the thing now. We, it's a bit rude to do what Jesus did, isn't it? You say, hey, I really like you. Can I come to yours for dinner? <laughs> Probably not suggesting that strategy unless you really feel like that's the right one. But you can invite them over. It's the gift of and ministry of hospitality. It's the gift of, many of ministry of reconciliation. Hey, we can invite people. What a gift we have. What an opportunity we have in this time. There's a, a painting or a photo we've been, we've been showing uh, and we will be showing each week. And um, it's a bit hard to find a famous painting of Zacchaeus or one that really works anyway. And so this one's unknown. This is by an unknown artist. I want to land here with a question for us all. You see the picture there? Just have a look at it. I want to ask you, just study the, the characters picture paints a thousand words as they say I want to ask you the question right now who are you in that story who are you in that painting which character are you maybe some of you feel like you are Zacchaeus Maybe you feel right now like you are socially outside. Maybe you feel like you've been ostracized in some way or you feel like you're an outsider. 
I, I actually want to ask a question of you if that's you, and I, and I mean to be gentle with this. I really want to ask you, if you are in Christ, I really want to ask you why. Why? Because Jesus has given us so much. He's invited you into his life. Now, I understand that people hurt people and the church hurts people. I'm not going to defend that. That is part of a reality. But sometimes we use other people as a barrier between us and Jesus. And sometimes we carry on to our bitterness and we carry on to our own pain and we hold it up and it stops us from entering back in. My invitation for you if you're feeling like Zacchaeus today, maybe it's time for you again to become like Jesus and become vulnerable. Be like Zacchaeus again and step up and put yourself in a vulnerable position. Say, I'm gonna step back in. I'm actually gonna choose to be vulnerable and invite people back into my life. I'm actually gonna take that step. I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna invite people back into my life. Maybe you are the crowd. And the crowd are made up of different people. You've got the religious leaders and you've got other people just looking and the, the details are not great. I think you've got, if you've got the, the picture on your, printed out on your, uh, have you ever, everyone got one of those? The, uh, you've got your little uh, takeaway card that's a little bit more detailed and you can see, you can see some of the expressions on the faces. We kind of know what the posture of the crowd is, right? All the people, it says in verse seven, saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. In other words, the crowd are not for Zacchaeus. If you can imagine they're looking around, you can see on the left here, you can see them talking and sniggering and others in the background there, some just looking along dispassionately. You know, maybe, maybe for us, we have got, we've, we've become religious. And we see people on the street or we see people in need and, and actually our hearts become hard. And very quickly, we move to Judgment. Very quickly, we see people and we cast judgment on them. And perhaps God needs to work on our hearts. He needs to get the religion and the, and the, the, the piousness out of our heart so that when we see the outsider, when we see the broken, when we see the outcast, wherever it might be, our posture again is of love and generosity. Or maybe we're the disciples. And I'm not quite sure which one of the disciples are. I, I don't know what they look like, and I'm not sure the artist did at the time either. But can I imagine that the disciples may have been confused? They may have been aloof. They may have been standoffish. Maybe some of them, though, had seen Jesus and said, yes, this is so exciting. I'm, I want to be part of this. They'd seen Jesus time and time again. Remember, they're getting to the end of the journey and they're wanting to be part of this radical new kingdom that, that, that Jesus is bringing in. See, Jesus invites us to be his disciples and whilst they were still trying to figure it out, we see quite profoundly in the Acts of the Apostles when Jesus ascends to heaven and he fills the disciples with the Holy Spirit, their heart changes for the broken, the poor and the outcast. In fact, it's the thing that changes the Roman Empire forever. Their hearts have been changed. They've been filled with love. They're very free to be open. There's a vulnerability about them. 
There's an openness about them. There's a freedom that says, welcome into my life. You can come into my life. I am not defended. I'm not, try, I'm not worried about outside appearances. I'm not worried about what other, might, other people might think. I'm not even worried about what you think. I am just going to love you. I'm just going to give myself to you. Why? Because I know who I am and I know whose I am. And that's the invitation for every one of us today that we can walk with a great security and knowledge that Zacchaeus got of liberation, of freedom, of generosity, and of love. If Zacchaeus can get it, then so can we. I wonder whether we can stand on this ladder. No, I'm just joking. Why don't we just stand right now? I'm going to get the band to come up. I wonder whether our response is just based on those characters today. You know, each of us are on our own journey and and I don't pretend to, to understand your whole story. But here's what I do know is that when we get this as a church... When we understand this, when God grabs our heart, when, we're, when we are liberated, free, secure in Christ's love to be vulnerable, to step up and to see, we will change this city. We will see lives changed. But it starts with us. And I reckon there's a, there's a couple of things that I'd love to just invite you to come forward for prayer for today. Maybe, maybe some of you are feeling like Zacchaeus. In, 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 I don't know what space it is, but you feel like you are isolated. There is a loneliness about you or there's a, there's a lack of security in, 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 in where things are at for you. Maybe, maybe you have in this season stepped out. Maybe you are really struggling in this season for whatever reason because of the change and, the, and you just naturally have just lost connection with God and with others. And today God is inviting you to step in. And it's a vulnerable thing to, to actually make your way down the front here. But it's a good thing. It's a liberating thing. Because remember when you step up to see you are seen. And God wants to work in your heart today. I reckon there's another group of people here and, and, uh, and you just, you actually, you, you want to, you want to, there, there's part of Zacchaeus that just really excites you. You've got people that you know who are on the fringe. There are people in your life that, that, you, that you're really, you're longing to see come in. And you're wanting to grow in that ability and that capacity to just to love, grow in that security just to invite people in, not to worry about what people may think of you, but just with liberation and freedom, just invite people in. There's a new confidence that you want. There's a new confidence you want in inviting people in. And I encourage you to step forward right now. So I wonder if um, we can just... As the band are going to sing over us, we're just going to sing a simple song, The Goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And God has been good. And if you're in either of those categories, I just invite you just to come forward, to step forward. And we're going to invite people to gather around you and pray for you right now. So as we sing, come on. For either of those categories, just step forward. Step out from where you are. We'd love to pray for you. 
We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.